140,000 fans at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin over the weekend. You may have heard uh, Americans embracing Formula One. They watched Max Verstappen win his 13th race of the season. They also saw Red Bull capture the Constructors' Championship. But they also saw what was possibly the best race of the 2022 season. We're going to go over it. The United States Grand Prix, a review of the race. We'll also give our report card for all 10 teams. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for joining us. If you've been following us along and you have not subscribed, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review if you wouldn't mind. It does help us with the algorithms and it does help us grow. If you are brand new, don't subscribe yet. Listen to a couple of episodes. See if you like what we're doing and then I hope you will subscribe and keep joining us for previews and reviews all season long. All right, so again, it was an electric weekend in Austin. Those reports are true. I was there for the three days. Uh, thanks, DHL, for the tickets. I mean, as an American Formula One fan and a broadcaster, I, I was thrilled to see the sport continue to grow and grow. Now, I got to meet people from all over the country and all over the world in my three days on the ground. I met people that sat around me. I let, met people at picnic tables as we were consuming lunch. I got to know a lot of people. It was pretty fun. I talked to new fans, older fans, and the rise of the sport sport is real. It is actually happening. There really was a feeling like this was the place to be this weekend, which is very odd here in in America, because not only was this weekend a big football weekend, the, especially in that area, the Dallas Cowboys were playing at home. The Texas Longhorns were on the road, a big game against Oklahoma state. And then of course you had major league baseball in, in the middle of its playoffs and gearing up for the world series. But that felt like the bigger sporting event. It felt like a very, very large national event as once again, Americans embracing Formula One and making their presence felt around the circuit of the Americas. So Max Verstappen won the race, and that's not new. We keep seeing this over and over all season long, but Red Bull got the proper celebration on a dominating season. Max was the world champion already, but it was kind of confusing in Japan. He didn't really know he was told he was champion in the cool-down room. The team didn't know, driver didn't know, broadcasters didn't know. So he was kind of, hey, uh, yeah, we give full points, you're champion. So this was the race where the team could not only properly celebrate that, but also celebrate the Constructors' Championship that they needed at Austin. They hadn't quite clinched it yet. It was just a simple mathematics, but they did get the Constructors' Championship, their first since 2013. But there were a ton of other elements that we got to get to from the United States Grand Prix because it was one of the best races of the year. On Saturday, Carlos Sainz won pole position. Charles Leclerc finished P2, so it was a Ferrari front row lockout. However, Leclerc was taking a 10-place grid penalty due to an upgrade, so he would start P12. That moves Max Verstappen up to P number two. Mercedes had Lewis Hamilton and George Russell in row two. Sergio Perez also taking a grid penalty. He was further back. So on Sunday, when the race began, Max got a great start, had the inside line going up the hill into turn number one. In fact, almost everybody on that inside line at the start of the grid got really good grip, and they were all advancing pretty quickly. That included George George Russell. So right off the bat, you've got Max Verstappen getting a very good run into turn number one. That's straight up the hill off to the left. And he gets the lead of the Grand Prix, passes Carlos Sainz. But as he's making the turn, he's going a little bit wide. And Sainz, who's right behind him, tries to tuck the inside line. He basically turns the car in. And then what he's trying to do is get a little bit of momentum and then hit the gas, straighten the car and zip. He's going to try to take the lead out of turn number one as Verstappen is going a little bit wide. But as he's doing that, 
George Russell is right there because Russell came in hot and signs gets tagged. He spins out and his race is done. Russell just kind of went a little too hard, locked up a little bit. Didn't anticipate signs coming to the inside, thought signs would stay to the outside. Russell admitted later that he had made a mistake. That was Sainz' line to take and Russell just happened to be there. So signs has his sixth DNF of the season, just can't seem to find any luck in these kind of situations. And Max speeds off. He's got the lead of the Grand Prix. And Verstappen has got Lewis Hamilton behind him, but we know where this story is going already, right? Once Max gets the lead of a Grand Prix, forget it. He's going to be off and running. So now you had Hamilton behind him. Lance Stroll, who started fifth, was now third, as it was a little bit of a chaos at the top of that hill as they went into the S's. There were some good battles going on behind Verstappen. My attention in the Grand Prix was on Charles Leclerc, because I knew he had a good car. I knew he had a good engine. He had the upgrade. He was starting P12. I knew he could start picking apart some of the people in front of him to get to the front. How quickly could he do that while Verstappen had the lead with Hamilton behind him? Cars on the left of this grid, as I was mentioning earlier, had really good starts in Austin. They got very good grip. They all were tending to get more uh, advantageous on their, on their grid counterpart. Um, a lot of races at Coda, they pointed this out to the broadcast, four of the last six races at Coda, the car that's in P2 in that section of the grid in P2 has ended up in the lead on lap number one. So now by lap five, Russell passes Stroll for third. And now the two Mercedes are behind Verstappen. Perez is moving up to P5. Leclerc had gotten all the way up to ninth. The DRS is really strong at Coda. You get that long stretch out of turn 11, the hairpin, and then you've got the front stretch on the final turn uh, up to the top of the hill. The cars started settling in. You saw Lewis Hamilton make the first move. He pitted on lap 13 and he gets off the mediums and onto the hard tires. Now those tires were not going to get him to the end. So Verstappen comes in on lap 14. He also gets on hard tires. Russell comes in as well. And he has to take the five second penalty that he was given for the tanglement with uh, Carlos Sainz. With the pit stops, though, Sergio Perez has the lead of the race. And I'll tell you, if you were there at Coda, he gets a just a huge ovation every time he runs around that track. So he had the lead. Crowd was loving it. And then he ended up coming in on lap 50. Verstappen retakes the lead when the pit stop rounds are all kind of done. And Charles Leclerc, though, is in second because he's not pitted yet. And this is kind of key because he's still on the medium tires from the start of the race and he gets this break on lap 18 because Valtteri Bottas goes off the gravel on turn 19. And I was, uh, that's where my seats were on turn 19. So Valtteri Bottas goes into the gravel and that brings out the safety car. That helps Charles Leclerc, who gets almost a free pit stop. And it also helps Sebastian Vettel because Vettel also pits at the same time under the safety car. So at the restart, you've got Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez, and Leclerc. Max off and running. He goes off at lap 21. Then things get really dangerous on lap 22. Fernando Alonso was making a move past Lance Stroll coming off the hairpin on turn 11 on the straight. Stroll nudges his car to the left to defend a bit. It's too late, though. They get contact with Alonso. He goes off to the left, and his front wheel goes flying up. The front end goes into the air and lands on those two tires. The car was damaged, but not enough to cause him to stop running. Stroll, however, he's done. He's out of the Grand Prix. Another safety car is brought out. This is lap 25. We go back to racing with Verstappen in the lead and Hamilton right behind him. 
The Claire's got a nice race going. He's with Sergio Perez. They're kind of battling for third place at this point. He eventually passes him and Hamilton comes in for his second pit stop. That's lap 35. Now they go 56. So pay attention. Staying with the hard compound tires, he's trying to pull the undercut. Verstappen, one lap later, lap 36, he comes in. And the crowd starts getting really excited because the pit crew had a hard time getting off the left front tire of Verstappen's car. It's a costly pit stop. It's 11 seconds. They finally get it on. The tire gun wasn't working properly. Leclerc also pits at that same time, and he gets out ahead of Verstappen. Sebastian Vettel then has the lead of the race until lap 41 when Hamilton passes him heading into turn number one. So Hamilton takes the lead of the United States Grand Prix. Mercedes hasn't won a race all season, but is it enough? Behind him, Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, they're going back and forth. And all of this, about 15 laps remaining. But there's kind of this uneasy feeling because you know if Max gets by the Ferrari... Hamilton is kind of a sitting duck given the straight line speed of Verstappen. And that's exactly what's happening here. Max just keeps chipping away at Hamilton's lead once he gets past Charles Leclerc. The straight line speed of Red Bull is really the key difference at Coda. He was just so fast. And actually, you can make that statement almost every track this season. Red Bull has just had the dominant straight line speed. Hamilton was putting in some good lap times for his Mercedes. Really good. But it just wasn't good enough. We get to lap 50, Verstappen makes his move, he completes the overtake, Hamilton tries to hang in there, he kind of goes to the outside, he goes to the inside as they're making their way through the turns, but in the end it's just not going to be good enough. Verstappen goes on and wins the United States Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton finishes second and Charles Leclerc third. Had Leclerc been able to hold back had Leclerc been able to hold back Verstappen for a couple of laps while they were duking it out? Maybe Hamilton wins the race, but I kind of doubt it. It, Like Verstappen's speed was so strong. His straight line speed was so strong. It was just going to be a matter of time. He was going to catch Hamilton and God bless Lewis. He was trying, he was holding on, but the inevitable happens with Max. He has an opportunity to take the lead. He's going to take the lead. And when he runs to run away with the race, he just runs, runs away with the race. And he goes on to win his second straight U.S. Grand Prix and it picks up his 13th win of the season. All right, a couple of post-race thoughts from Austin. And one is, and it's very clear, and that's the domination of the season of Max Verstappen. 19 races of 22, and Verstappen is 13 wins. He has been just absolutely dominant, and it feels like years ago that Australia was done. Charles Leclerc had the Grand Slam win. Ferrari looked very, very dialed in. Two wins of the first three races and a P2 in Saudi Arabia. Verstappen had two DNFs making comments about reliability issues within the team. Uh, Charles Leclerc is so far off in the points, even though there was a ton of races left to go. And since then, it has been all Red Bull, all Verstappen, a win by Carlos Sainz, a win by Leclerc. But other than that, it has been Max and Red Bull. And this has just been the focal point of this season. Now, some people don't mind that. They don't mind their sports year where there is one clear dominating team or player 
But at the same time, it is worrisome when you feel like this is just the inevitability of a certain individual winning all the races. The problem is Formula One has seen this before. We've seen Michael Schumacher win races like this. We've seen Sebastian Vettel win races like this. We've seen Lewis Hamilton win races like this. So if you're new to Formula One, it's sort of daunting when you think that there's all these cars on the grid and anybody can win when the reality is, no, that's not true. Lewis Hamilton gave it everything he had. His Mercedes was not good enough to beat Max's Red Bull. The Ferraris aren't good enough to Max's Red Bull. That's it. That's the way it is. Verstappen is the kind of driver that can go deep into the corners. He breaks late. He is just so quick. It doesn't really matter that it's Red Bull's got a better car. They just have the better driver in Max Verstappen. He's already claimed the championship in Suzuka. He just added on to his hardware in Austin. It's just been that dominating of a year. The second thing, and this one is controversial. This is Fernando Alonso because he did finish P7. And as I mentioned earlier, that crash with Lance Stroll with the car had a wheelie I mean, that could have been really, really devastating. Could have landed, again, upside down on that halo. Who knows what would have happened given the momentum of his car. Kind of like Zhou Guan Yu at Silverstone. You never know where that car could have ended up if there was a push or a wind or something that kind of pulled it off and and made it flip over. Instead, Alonso got that car back on the ground and he continued to run the race and he finished P7. But afterwards, Haas made two protests on driving an unsafe car. They made one on Sergio Perez that was denied, but the one they made on Fernando Alonso stuck because his right mirror flew off. So he was driving a car without the right mirror. And they were making a point about Kevin Magnuson. He got a black orange flag once for that. And now they were pointing out Fernando Alonso. And so he was given a 30 second penalty for driving an unsafe car because it happened after the race. So Alonso goes from seventh all the way down to 15th. And of course, by dropping that, he moves everybody up. So they're going to appeal this. It's going to be heard on Thursday. We'll have the result of that and analysis of that in our Mexico Grand Prix uh, preview that's coming up later this week. And my other thought, bear with me here. I'm an American broadcaster. I've been in sportscasting for close to 30 years since I was in high school. I've been wanting to do this for a living. I'm a Formula One fan. I got my start in the industry covering auto racing when I didn't know anything about auto racing in the 90s. So I learned to like embrace NASCAR, IndyCar, and Formula One. And seeing what Drive to Survive, for example, has done to the American audience when it comes to Formula One, it, it, really, it really thrilled me to see the crowd. What you saw in Austin, 440,000 people, the most attended race on the calendar was real. And it came in an an area of the country. And if those of you who know Texas, you know what I'm talking about. And those of you around the world who listen to this podcast are not familiar with Texas. Texas is American football country. It is huge with the college game and it is huge with the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans. And everything was in full play over the weekend. The Cowboys were playing at home. The Texans were in Las Vegas. Saturday, there were college football games all across the schedule. And you also had Major League Baseball in its postseason. And a Texas team, the Houston Astros, were facing the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And you had the Philadelphia Phillies facing the San Diego Padres with the right to also go to the World Series. So you had all of that going on. And yet, 440,000 people attended three days at an Austin to see a Formula One race. That is real. But I do worry that as far as Americans go, that this just becomes the new it thing and that eventually it dies. And I hope it doesn't. I watched NASCAR once in the 90s when I was first covering NASCAR. It ballooned one of the most popular sporting events that we had. 
A lot of that had to do with the young superstar in Jeff Gordon emerging and kind of battling Dale Earnhardt Sr. for the sports supremacy. But if you also follow NASCAR, you remember there was a time where North Wilkesboro had two races and Rockingham had two races and a lot of these Southern racetracks were losing their events so that the sport could go to New Hampshire and Chicago and Las Vegas and Texas and other places that were building these racetracks for NASCAR to come visit and be part of the growing schedule. Now, Formula One in the United States is only going to get a handful of races into the largeness of the schedule. They're not getting 10 out of 20. They're getting 3 out of 23 when they finally figure out where the schedule is going to go. So every time Formula One does come to the United States, at Texas, at Miami, and Las Vegas, it is going to be a major event because it's going to be relatively rare in the 12-month calendar. But I do hope Americans who are getting involved in this sport or following this sport, stick with this sport. I really do. I really hope so. For some of you, again, around the world who've been listening and your fans for years, I appreciate it. If you're new to Formula One and you listen, I hope you still stay with Formula One. All right, let's get to the team reports from the United States Grand Prix. We're going to start with the champs, Red Bull. Max Verstappen got the victory. 13 and 19 races. It matches Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel for the most victories in one season. Schumacher had 13 and 18 races in 2004. Vettel 13 in 2013. It was a great race for Max. He overcame the slow pit stop. He passed Hamilton to get the lead. As for Checo, he finished fourth. So a good run for Sergio Perez, who also started with a grid penalty. Mercedes, this is heartbreaking for Hamilton. I am running out of races and my preseason prediction that Mercedes would win a race. Actually, it wasn't preseason because I remember when they were struggling, I said, don't worry, Mercedes will win a race. I've been hanging on to that, but it looks like that's not going to come to fruition. Toto Wolf loves their chances in Mexico City, but I doubt it. Uh, it's heartbreaking for Hamilton. He just didn't have the straight line speed, as I was mentioning earlier, that Verstappen had. He just kept losing time to Max. If Max hadn't been involved in some battle that occupied his time and his tires, maybe maybe Hamilton would have found the finish line ahead of Max, but it just wasn't to be. Russell spun out signs to start the Grand Prix. He received a five-second penalty. He admitted that he had a rough, rough day in the wind uh, with the car. He ended up finishing P5. So a P2 and a P5 for Mercedes. Ferrari, you got a DNF for signs after his collision with Russell. It was his sixth DNF of the season. My God, I mean, that's tremendous. Uh, Leclerc ended up third after a P12 start, so good for him. Made his way through the field, uh, took advantage of the free pit stop, basically, on the safety car with Botas spinning out in the gravel, and that allowed him to sort of have a fun battle with Max Verstappen for a little bit before Verstappen took the lead and sped away. For McLaren, Lando Norris finished sixth, and he said something interesting, which, you know, if you start thinking about it, I kind of agree with. He said, that's the best result possible for them. When you think about it, he's right. The only people that were ahead of Lando Norris are sort of the tops in the sport right now. Max Verstappen, Checo Perez, George Russell, Charles Leclerc, and, and Lewis Hamilton. So basically... Uh, Ferrari, two Red Bulls, and two Mercedes. So the best he could finish being sort of the best of the rest was sixth. He finished sixth. Said he had a lot of fun out there. Daniel Ricciardo continues to struggle. Didn't really understand the car very much. Struggled with grip. He said it was a disappointment. And that's kind of an understatement. They love Daniel Ricciardo in Texas. He embraces the culture. He's got the horse in the paddock. He wears the cowboy hat. He does the yeehaw. They love him in Texas. It was very disappointing that he finished uh, 16th. 
Alpine. Fernando Alonso is the big story here. How in the world he got that car back on the ground and around that tricky circuit in seventh place is beyond me. I mean, amazing. At first, I, when they when they first showed the accident, because again, we were in the grandstand so we could see the screen, we didn't get any audio. It looked like Fernando Alonso was at fault for this because then people around us were kind of buzzing like, what did he do? What did he do? And then we kind of watched the replay and kind of could see it and it showed what had actually happened, but it really, really looked bad from where we were. And then afterwards, when I reviewed the race, I knew what had occurred with Stroll pulling over. The 30-second penalty came. He finished 15th. So again, that's on appeal. We'll get the results of that later on this week. I said earlier it was a really, really scary incident. It could have ended up on the he could have ended up upside down. God bless him for being able to get that car around the track. Esteban Ocon started the race from pit lane. And he almost got this thing in the points. He finished 11th. Alonzo's penalty, he gets 10th. But again, we're talking about an appeal here that could give Alonzo back his 7th place spot. So that would mean Ocon finishes 11th. But right now, he's got a point. But you know the team wants to win the appeal, so Alonzo finishes 7th, even if it means Esteban Oco finishes 11th, because there's more points in that regard. Aston Martin, what a great run for Sebastian Vettel. That was another thing takeaway over the weekend. Crowd was very appreciative of the career of Sebastian Vettel. He got a big ovation, got cheers every time he came around. When he was the leader of the race, people would cheer and, and just went kind of nuts to sort of remind him how loved he is in the sport. He ended up eighth behind Alonso, now seventh uh, with the appeal. Um, one time he had the lead of the race, but then that long pit stop, that devastatingly long pit stop he had really hurt his day. Had a really good battle with Kevin Magnuson at the end, and boy, was he happy when it was all done. Talked about the adrenaline that was flowing through him after the race. Really, really nice to see. As far as Lance Stroll goes, he had a great start to this Grand Prix. It looked like he was having a really good race, too. Uh, but then that one slight move on Alonzo, he made contact almost cost Alonzo his race. He was, you know, he had to retire after a puncture and spinning out. So Stroll getting a DNF. As for Haas, Kevin Magnussen in a great last lap battle with Vettel. He finished ninth. That moved him up to eighth pending the Alonzo penalty hearing. The team did get some points, and that's good for the American team at their home race. Saw a lot of Haas gear. That was kind of cool, too. Mick Schumacher, 15th. He picked up some debris and then lost some downforce. As for Alfatari, Pierre Gasly finished 14th. He had a weird day. Was running pretty well. Got a time penalty for lagging behind the safety car. He served it and then had to serve a second one because they didn't think Think he served it correctly. So no points for him. Yuki Sonoda finished 10th with the Alonzo incident moves up to ninth. He loved his pace uh, on the mediums, but when he got on the hards, he then started to struggle a little bit. Williams, Nicholas Latifi spun out early. Uh, that put him back of the field. He finished 17th, had a good battle with Mick Schumacher, but then he made some contact when he went in a little hot. Then he got penalized for that. My God, Latifi, truly is the gift that keeps on giving, doesn't he? I'm going to miss him, but he's a terrible F1 driver, so maybe not that much. Alex Albon finished 12th, locked up pretty bad on turn one at the first lap, uh, then flatted out his tires, and uh, that's forced an early pit stop. And then Alfa Romeo, Valtteri Bostas, spinning out on turn 19, that brought out the safety car. That was a DNF for him. Joe Guan Yu finished 13th, moved up to 12th after the Alonso penalty. Um, he started the back of the grid due to a penalty. So overall, great experience at the United States Grand Prix. I want to thank the 
folks at DHL. I competed in their Formula One commentator contest that they were running last season. I was in the top nine, then I was in the top three. And although I didn't win, they gave me two tickets for the weekend for Austin. So I took my son out of college and we had a great weekend down at the U.S. Grand Prix. So I look forward to going to more Formula One races. It was a really, really fun time. All right, so we're going to have a preview of the Mexico Grand Prix that is coming up this weekend. Sergio Perez running in his home country. There's only three more races left on the season. They'll go to Brazil after this, and then they're off to Abu Dhabi for the uh, season finale. And then the World Cup will be taking over the world stage in terms of international sport. Uh, So the Formula One season will be coming to an end rather quickly. So once again, thanks for listening to this podcast. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Also, if you'd like to hit me up on Twitter, you can do so at Tony D Radio. You can also follow us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. And if you'd like to email the show, Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. Again, later this week, the Mexico Grand Prix preview. I'm Tony Deziri. Thanks for listening to the Overtake F1 podcast.